the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Today, a special visit with a very special guest. And boy, he's got some exciting things to share about how God can use us if we're just willing to be vessels yielded to him, to think creatively, and most importantly, to take the examples we see throughout the first century church, throughout the New Testament, and not just look at it as a part of history, but rather as in a living example as to how the church today can and should function and impact our communities with the gospel of Christ. Joining me is Reverend Dr. Terrence Nichols. He's pastor at New Hope Church Community, a part of Alliance Churches. More information on the web at alliancechurches.org. And Dr. Nichols, great to have you with us today. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you and great to see you besides at a bass convention. That's that. <laughs> Indeed. And, and good to be seen, to be sure. Uh, let's talk a bit about your your faith journey. I understand originally born and raised in the Peach State of Georgia. And, Georgia, um, indeed. You had, a, as I understand it, you had a teacher that had a profound impact on your life and set you literally on a course, on a track, that God brought you from Georgia to the San Francisco Bay Area, first for an education and then to stay to minister. Tell us a bit about how all that came together. God is an amazing God. Uh, He knew that I was a young man uh, growing up in Georgia. Dysfunctional family, great mother. She laid some great foundations, and then some things happened in her life that uh, causes a lot of dysfunctionality in our family. Uh, But I had a renewed relationship with the Lord uh, around the ninth grade. And uh, it was at this time that I met this teacher as well, uh, Mark Lee Jr. And he came to Georgia. His grandmother was living there. And so he came to take care of her and be an itinerant farmer and at the same time work at the school as an English teacher. So really had a chance to meet him, join the debate team, uh, traveled around Georgia, and, and we just won everything because he said, you need to have a voice like and an accent like Walter Cronkite, a non-accent. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the Georgia boys went throughout Georgia and swept the debate. Well, somewhere around the 11th grade, my teacher had a moral failure. And uh, he had to stop teaching. And that's his testimony. He, he's told it very uh, many times. And everybody dropped him like a hot potato. Mm. The teachers, the students, the debaters, everybody. But I could not. I had fallen in love with his family and with his grandmother, uh, Mother Blackaby, who was every bit of 88 years old at that time. And I continued to go out there. We would pray and have Bible study, but most of all, eat. <laughs> and it was in this space of time that I also received my calling to preach, 16 years of age. And I started preaching the gospel. And in a Georgia black church, when you start preaching at that age, you're under the tutelage of a senior pastor and he takes you all around and what have you. And you preach mostly at youth convent, at youth meetings and things of that nature. So my, my former teacher knew this. And he said to me, he said, you really need to get your education. 
And I know of a great school. As a matter of fact, the president will be here in Tallahassee, Florida. Would you like to come with us to hear him? I said, sure. So we went to visit. I looked at the program and it said guest speaker, president of Simpson Bible College in San Francisco, Mark Lee Sr. I looked at my teacher, Mark Lee Jr. And I was like, this is your dad? He said, yes. And then I said what was on my heart. I said, your dad is a preacher? (laughs) That tells you a lot about Mark Lee Jr.'s character at that time. And he said, yes, I'm a preacher's kid. And I have some things God is working out in my life. And he's used you to help me to do that. Mm -hmm. And I heard Dr. Mark Lee Sr. preach. And I said, wherever he is the president, that's where I'm going. (laughs) And so that's how I ended up attending Simpson Bible College in uh, San Francisco. And if I could move you forward, maybe eight years after I had graduated, I am now on the Simpson College trustee board. And the new president said, we're giving our first full-time scholarship for the first time. And I raised my hand and I said, excuse me, I came to Simpson on a full-time scholarship. And he said, no, Terrence, I checked the record. This is the first time the college has ever given a full-ride scholarship. And I said, well, you need to check her. I owe you some money. What? (laughs) (laughs) And so he checked the record, and he came back with tears in his eyes. And he said, Terrence, I don't know if they ever wanted this to be revealed, but we did not give you that scholarship. The Lee family gave you that scholarship to attend Simpson Bible College. And so that was just an amazing a moment in my life. And I, I said, then not only do I have to do this for the glory of God, but as a thank you, I have to live my life as a thank you to the Lee family and all who supported me. I think the beautiful thing too, uh, Dr. Nichols, about that story is not only the sense of, of seeing in you God potential and helping to nurture that calling, but then equally recognizing that whom God calls, he also equips and the importance yes. of laying down that firm theological foundation, knowing that there would come a time when you move from being the mentored to be a mentor for others, certainly a shepherd, a head of a church, a pastor is a mentor for the congregation, and to be equipped with the necessary theological foundation, uh, that, that those roots, so to speak, that would prepare you to do that, and, and, the, and, the, and the level of sensitivity in, in recognizing that calling in you and then helping to nurture it. And, you know, like one whose seed puts the seed in the ground, the other one who comes along and waters, God turns on the sunshine and brings forth the increase. But to acknowledge that in you, what, what a tremendous gift. And, and, and boy, isn't that something we all should be doing for young people that we see around us that we recognize if we're listening to the Holy Spirit, God has a call on their life. Yes, it is something that we should recognize. I will never forget on the day that I left Georgia in August of 1980, <laughs> old man, and I say that fondly, uh, old man Dawson, one of the oldest deacons on the board there at uh, Pleasant Grove Missionary Baptist Church in Pelham, Georgia. He came over to me and he grabbed me. He said, I understand you're going to college. I said, yes, sir. He said, it's a Bible college. I said, yes, sir. He said, young man, go and get your learning. But don't lose your burning. <laughs> <laughs> and I have kept that with me all of my life. 
uh, a, a simple yet profound uh, statement to be sure. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, that's something that all of us need to think about. You know, the scripture talks about to return back to the passion of our first love, meaning to remember what it was like when we finally realized our need for Jesus, surrendered our life to him, invited him to come in, asked for his forgiveness, and then that Holy Spirit to start that work on our heart and to begin that restorative process and how we felt with that sense of fire in the belly, that, that burning. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and I think it's important, not, not only for those that are involved in full-time ministry, but for any of us that love the Lord to never forget that first love. And I really have to give glory to God because he did it. He did it. If I was to tell you the whole story, I can tell you something briefly. And that is that my mother and father met in high school. She was in the 10th grade and he was the principal of the high school. He was also the pastor of the local Methodist church. He was married and they carried on a clandestine affair. And I always say she was probably trying to find love in all the wrong places. Mm -hmm. And uh, out of that affair, two children were born, uh, my older sister and myself. And we had no sense of any of this uh, all of my life. But then she made some other bad decisions in her life and met up with another person that was not right for her. And that really, truly split our family. And so you had, uh, by this time, it was three older ones sort of living separately and then she was with another person living in his home. So she was coming back and forth. But mostly we were um, we were neglected. Uh, if 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 they were to do a uh, child uh, services call now, they would say, yeah, these children are neglected. And God took all of these adult people, including the pastor that came to our church. And I had finally went back to church and renewed my faith uh, around the uh, eighth grade, took him. He took the brought a teacher from San Francisco area to Pelham in order to pour into me. And he saw something different in me. He also took the principal of the high school. The principal was approached by the local radio station that was playing top 40. They wanted to play top 40 music. They were a country music station. And he said, if you could give me three young men who you think could be DJs at my station, I will hire them. And so the principal, now this is in Georgia in 1980, he named two uh, white guys, and I have to call their color because this means something, and he named me. Mm. And that was incredible, that he would name me to be on a radio station, and I got a lot of flack for that. You know, I had to get my Walter Cronkite accent right, right. in Georgia, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but I persevered, and I started radio then, and I've the Lord has helped me to be in radio consistently, Christian radio, since then, uh, throughout all of these years. Our conversation with Dr. Terrence L. Nichols, pastor of New Hope Community Church and Alliance Churches, continues after this brief timeout. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation with Reverend Dr. Terrence Nichols, the senior pastor of New Hope Church Community, and also one of the participating pastors of the Alliance Churches. Uh, Dr. Nichols, I want to pick up our conversation where we left off at just prior to the break. Did you have any sense in those early days as a young man and, and dealing with some of the challenges of your childhood growing up, as you indicated, but did you have a sense then that, that, that these were all small pieces of the puzzle that God was assembling together 
in your life that maybe in the moment, you know, the old adage, we see through that glass darkly, but when we see him, we shall be like him. Did you have a sense in those days that maybe even looking through the glass darkly, but that God was putting the pieces of the puzzle called your life together for the ministry you're now doing today? I had no idea about it then. Probably would have scared you if you'd known it. <laughs> yes, it would have been scary if I'd known yeah. it. I was in survival mode yeah. at that time. I began to reflect on it when I arrived in San Francisco. And that's why I thank God for Christian colleges. Uh, they are not just places for uh, you know cerebral learning, but they minister to the heart as well. And those professors, man, they really wrapped their arms around me and began to melt away a lot of the doors and walls that I had placed up because I'd been hurt by other adults. And I can remember sitting in class one day and it was mail call and I went down to class and I received the mail. And now I will tell you, I'm estranged from my mother. I had not spoken to her at this point in two years. So she, she basically didn't know where I was. Um, only my oldest sister knew where I was. And I received a letter from Dr. Mark Lee's mother, Mother Blackerby. And this 88-year-old woman in shaken uh, writing had written me a letter to keep on going. Wow. <laughs> no, no matter what, keep on going. And then she was half blind by this time. And you can tell it by the penmanship. And then she wrote a check for $10. And do you know, Craig, that $10 came in handy. I needed toothpaste. I needed, you know, soap and all of those little things. Now, she continued to give $10 and send that all of my time at Simpson. She never went above $10. (laughs) But I thank God for that. And the ladies from church would send cakes. And by the time it got to us, it was crumb cake. <laughs> but we they would the, the, my fellow students on the hall would just sit and wait for me to open the box because they knew it was a great cake from Georgia. And we would just sit there and pick at the crumbs <laughs> and eat the cake. I, I began to realize at that moment, at, at those moments, that if I had stayed in Georgia, I probably would have been a good circuit pastor where you're preaching two Sundays here and then you have another church 30 miles away and you're preaching two Sundays there and and that kind of a thing and working a full-time job. I probably would have ended up there. And thank God for those pastors who do great things like that. Every time you hear a story of a pastor who made a bad mistake and or he fleeced the church, I go right back in my mind to those pastors who pastor two or three churches 30 miles apart mm-hmm. And maybe they, they, some of them may still get a box of food as payment. So thank God for the journey. I think, though, the example of that widow's mite, the $10, right? And that it was, in her way, a means of giving you some encouragement of acknowledging not only who you are, but who you were in the process of becoming. And and that that kind of stamp, that kind of imprint on your life clearly has had an impact even to this very day. Yeah, and, I, and, and I'm struck too, Dr. Nichols, by your, 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 your personal story in that, you know, it's demonstrative of the fact that we're all broken. We're all broken. We're all suffering from one degree or another of the impact of not just Adamic or, or original sin, but our own sin life and the mistakes that we make. 
the family of origin that we are from that that these days in particular seem to be more likely to be dysfunctional than functional. We look at divorce rates, you look at everything from domestic abuse and, and children that run away from home and all of these things pointing back to the fact that we are we are not the perfect creation that God intended for us to be. But yet, none of us are beyond his grace, his power, his willingness, and his ability to restore that which the locusts have eaten. No matter what the source is, from a broken home to a parent that maybe struggled being a single parent and was also struggling with other things in life as well that made them less than the ideal parent, to even the person who says, you know, I tried it, my spouse and I, it was just a disaster. And yet, through all of this these lives that are, would otherwise in the world be left kind of on the rubbish heap of life instead of the very people that Christ has called us to minister to, to bring that cup of cold water to in Jesus' name and, and to love on, to then see them, see who they can be in Christ Jesus and begin that journey, that faith journey of forgiveness, healing, reconciliation, restoration, wholeness, and eventually come into the fullness of what God has wanted them to be from the very beginning. From the very beginning. And this is why I, uh, for years, you know, I didn't tell my story. I didn't tell the, the testimony of what God had done for me. And I remember being invited to a retreat for our Santa Rosa Alliance Church. And I was like, okay, God, this is great. But, you know, I'm African-American. They're white. What do I have to say? How am I going to reveal you to them? Because I'm used to preaching in a certain way. And God said, well, then get out of the way. (laughs) And get out of the way and just tell what the Lord has, what I've done for you. And so I began to tell my story of what God did for me. And we had an altar call that uh, first night. I was so amazed as to the people who had brokenness on the inside from childhood, from other life experiences. And God said, I'm taking you to the nations. And so don't ever approach ministry again with colorblindness on. And so I began to minister multiculturally from that point on, recognizing and realizing that God does not see color like we see it. Um, He wants all people to know him. And if we get out of the way <laughs> and allow the message to go forward, everybody gets a chance to hear and Jesus. He was really preparing you in a sense, and, and we're going to get to this part of the story in a moment, but he was really preparing you in a sense, because here you are today planted in a very multicultural region of the country, to be sure, Yes, in a very multicultural Multiple church congregations, and when folks hear the story of what God is doing, they, it, their their minds are going to be blown, I'm sure. But it's almost as if back at that time, God was saying, Terrence, I, I want to teach you a lesson here, so pay close attention. The other thing that you mentioned that I, I, I want to have you elaborate on, you, you talked about sharing your story. You know, the thing that I've always found amazing is, and it, it may be in part as a failure because in many respects the church has put more emphasis on membership classes than true discipleship discipleship and if we would teach young believers what it meant to be disciples and how to replicate discipleship in others how do you pray how do you read god's word how do you share your testimony how do you reach another for christ i think we would see the church far more effective than she is today but i'm i'm struck by that notion of 
just simply telling your story. Some folks say, I, I don't know, you know, I know that the guy in the cubicle next to me doesn't know the Lord. I know that the neighbor next door, I hear the fighting. I know that they're not believers. And there's evidence of what happens when I hear, you know, breaking glass at 3 a.m. because the neighbors are fighting again. But I don't, I don't have a degree, Dr. Nichols. I've never been to Bible college. I can barely remember basic scripture. How can I possibly go and lead these people to Christ? And you've just given the answer. Tell your story. Tell your story. Uh, when we took Evangelism Explosion, I was totally amazed by this statement, that our testimony is the our only original part of the gospel mm. that we can add to the gospel presentation. Otherwise, Jesus did it all, right? <laughs> he came, he lived, he died, he rose again, and then he offered us the free gift of eternal life. Now, how does that impact your life? Tell that story. And so often we don't tell that story. We tell what Jesus did for the world. Well, what did he do for you? Yeah. And some people it can be very uncomfortable with the telling of that story. I don't look like what I've been through. Thank you, Jesus. I combed my hair this morning. You know? <laughs> but it could, it, it's been a, it, in many cases, it was a rough life. And I remember going home to Georgia. Oh, I got liberated in California, right? And then you go home to Georgia and I'm preaching in public and I tell the story. Oh, my gosh. Boy, did I get uh, put in the shed for that. And But God used that with my family to help say, this is what happened. Let's tell the truth. And as a matter of fact, every thing that's dysfunctional now in our family is built on that dysfunctionality. Mm-hmm. And until we face that and and talk about it and let's get over it. And I, I'm very thankful that all of my siblings love the Lord and I love Jesus. And my, my mother's come back to the Lord and she even married a pastor later in her life. But we still have some things to talk about. Is this, in your opinion, the way in which the enemy uses guilt and shame to drive a wedge between us and the Lord? I mean, as yes. you spoke there, saying, you know, oh, don't dare tell that. Don't talk about that. And yet Scripture is very clear in saying, you know, we're overcomers by his word and the power of our testimony. And that the truth will set us free. And yet so often I wonder if, if that sense of guilt and shame over past mistakes, past things in the family is something that ultimately, if we're not willing to surrender that and be truth tellers, does it get in the way of our relationship with God? I think it gets in the way of our relationship with God. And most of all, it gets in the way of us giving God the glory mm. of what he has done. People need to see that we were a mess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't need to elaborate or, or exaggerate it, but tell the truth of what happened so that we can see that a miracle came out of the mess. And there are always people who are walking in that same mess at the present time. And when you tell it, I'm amazed by this prayer. Whenever I tell it, somebody today is listening and you are coming from a broken relationship. You're coming from a situation you've been to Thanksgiving or you refuse to go to Thanksgiving. And you you tried it again, and it messed up again. That that dysfunctionality was there again. You have already decided, I'm not going to do Christmas with my family. I'm going to do something different because that hurt, that pain is still there. And I challenge you today to take that to God. And God is a restorer of the breach. He's a restorer of those things that the canker worms have tried to eat away in your life. And God promised us, he said, I know the thoughts 
that I think toward you, saith the Lord. They are thoughts not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Our conversation with Dr. Terrence L. Nichols, pastor of New Hope Community Church and Alliance Churches, continues after this brief timeout. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation with Reverend Dr. Terrence Nichols, the senior pastor of New Hope Church Community, and also one of the participating pastors of the Alliance Churches. Uh, Dr. Nichols, I want to pick up our conversation where we left off at just prior to the break. Well, I appreciate you mentioning that because, you know, so many people, especially during the Christmas and holiday season, um, run into these roadblocks because that pain is is so fresh. It, it, it just yes. bubbles below the surface. And you know, if you go back home for dinner, there's going to be that fight. There's going to be those feelings. And so sometimes people run away from that and, and, and maybe demonstrative of, of the notion that we, we've not perhaps come into the full understanding of what forgiveness is. While we have been forgiven, yes. learning how to forgive others, to, to, to put forward that unmerited favor, right? The basic definition yes. of grace and show it towards somebody else. You know, in the flesh, it's easier to say, you did this to me 30 years ago and I've never forgiven you. What was it I did again? Well, I forgot now, but I know I'm mad. <laughs> right? Right, right, and sometimes right. there are those kind of fights. They haven't, they find yes. out that brothers and sisters haven't talked for 30 years. When you ask what the fight was about, they can't remember, but they've hung on to the anger and the enemy just thrives in that. If he can throw yes, stuff in our face, make us feel shame, make us feel guilt, put up those barriers that you spoke of earlier, he will do it. But boy, the incredible empowerment that can come from being willing to set aside those differences, grant forgiveness, even though you might say, well, on the surface, what Uncle Charlie did, what mom did, whatever is so egregious, how could I ever possibly forgive them? And the answer is what we did in our lifetime as a stench in God's nostrils is far, far worse. Yes. How can he possibly forgive us? And the answer is Jesus. That's how we can possibly Jesus. do it. So I guess and it's really a, a matter of, of learning to see that as the example, not just how Christ can forgive us, but how he's modeling forgiveness for us to then use in forgiving others. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is so powerful because if I was to project years ahead, um, I never knew my father. Um, he was, like I said, a very brilliant, educated man, was a school principal. He was a pastor. He later became the president uh, of his own Bible college in Alabama. And um, it was on the day that I preached my first sermon, uh, he called. And I was like, I don't want to talk to him now. I'm nervous enough. What is this? You know? And so I took the call like a good Georgia uh, boy, mind my manners. <laughs> and he was like, this is your father. And uh, I understand that there are so many people there waiting to hear you. And I said, yes. He said, everybody's not waiting for you to succeed. Some want to see you fall on your face. And I was like, why is he telling me all of this? I don't want to hear anything from him uh, right now. And then he said something that totally has been a part of my ministry. He said, now, the place is probably going to be packed, but I want you to know that you may never get this packed crowd again. But if it's two or three people and God has told you to preach that day, preach. <laughs> and I did not want to hear it then, but God opened that conversation as a way of opening up forgiveness in my heart, 
because boy did I see he was right real soon. <laughs> that every, there's, every church that I go to is not going to be a packed congregation. And so I began to have that relationship with him then. Now, he never did what he should have done. He had three uh, daughters from his wife. He never brought us together and introduced us. When he passed away, um, my sister called me crying and I looked, I Googled it. You could Google then (laughs) and Google his obituary. And yes, he had passed away. And so I prayed on it for about two months. This was in May when all of this happened. I prayed on it about two months. So around August, I called his house and uh, I, his wife answered, a person I believe was his wife. And I just simply told her, I'm, you know, uh, Pastor Nichols out in California. And I heard that um, Dr. Uh, Grant passed away. She said, yes, he did. I said, well, you know, I had, uh, I was uh, doing some things with him for the college and I was, and I needed to speak with his daughter and I didn't have her number. She was the dean of the college. And so the wife gave me the number and I called the daughter and I told her who I was. And I said, I am your brother. And she said, oh, my God. She said, Dad told me about you. And I knew that this would happen, but I just didn't know how. Mm. And there, I was preaching a revival in Atlanta in November. And she said, well, we would like to meet you, uh, the other two sisters. And so I, we met them. My sister and I met them for the first time. I was married, grown man, had, was pastoring, and uh, didn't know how that was going to go. And the baby girl of his, uh, my baby sister from him, said, you know, I didn't know how I was going to feel about this. She said, but my husband did some stuff, <laughs> and I had to forgive him and accept his stuff. And if I can forgive him, I can forgive my dad and accept you guys. And that has been the beautiful relationship since that day. Uh, they're all in Georgia. We get together uh, every other year prior to COVID. <laughs> and we, you know, get together on Zoom now. And we are just relishing the opportunity that God has given us to walk in forgiveness, to walk in love. And every once in a while, you get to one of those interesting spots, you know, where they talk about uh, our father and they expect us to know <laughs> that history and we just have to gently remind them that we don't know that history yeah. can you tell us more about that and so it's that's wonderful that we finally get a chance to meet them and they get a chance to meet us and i think what's beautiful about what you're describing too dr nichols is that sense of of, of exercising our our ability to forgive others because yes. you know at the end of the day when you think about it and, and this is not too terribly profound but it ought to, it ought to set some of us back on our heels when you think about it there will be no one who is unforgiven in heaven yes every that's true. single person in heaven will be someone who has been forgiven forgiven or not except yes. Jesus and the angels of course right and so the, the notion of being able to exercise what it means to show that forgiveness here right as, as the Lord's prayer says Father forgive me as I forgive those who have sinned against me Yes. And, you know, God almost puts a little bit of a caveat on there in, in saying, you know, you shall be forgiven as you forgive. Yes. And, in, you know, this can be a life-changing experience for people that are going into this season with fear and trepidation. They know that that encounter over dinner 
is going to bring back some painful memories and some hurt. And it just, as we said before, just kind of simmering down below the surface. But look at this as an exercise in how God can teach you more about forgiveness in your own life as you learn to exercise forgiveness towards others. That is powerful. As a matter of fact, the the sermon, if people stay around for the sermon, (laughs) is on forgiveness. And as we walk through that in this season, uh, I, I when I preached that, I got a call, uh, an email rather, from a person in Cincinnati. <laughs> you know, we're in we're in American Canyon Vallejo, and they were watching in Cincinnati. And she said that was so helpful because I'm one of those that had written my family off, mm. and as I look deeper into why, a lot of it had to do with me and not them. And so as we look into forgiveness, we have to look in the mirror of our lives and not necessarily through the telescope at others. Yeah, so very true. Our conversation with Dr. Terrence L. Nichols, pastor of New Hope Community Church and Alliance Churches, continues after this brief timeout. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation with Reverend Dr. Terrence Nichols, the senior pastor of New Hope Church Community, and also one of the participating pastors of the Alliance Churches. Dr. Nichols, I want to pivot a bit to the local ministry here. We mentioned at the get-go, uh, you are uh, in a team effort, pastoring with some other pastors, multiple congregations. New Hope Church is about 80% African-American, I understand. Jesus Risen Lord Alliance Fellowship is about 90% Filipino, and in an amazing way, God said, you know what, I'm going to turn my mixer on, (laughs) I'm going to pour everybody in together, and I'm going to spring forth new life in these congregations, and as you were sharing with me before we came on the air today, a way in which pastors that maybe are dealing with challenges, perhaps economic challenges, dwindling congregation, up in years facing health challenges, some that might be thinking that they're going to be forced to retire, you guys have come up with a model that's just taken right out of the first century church that really says, no, why retire when you can refire and find God give you a whole new chapter of your life of ministry? Take a moment, if you would, and, and tell us what's going on in the life of these wonderful congregations that he has, he has uniquely unto himself brought together. Amen. First of all, let me say everything started with San Francisco. (laughs) Um, I pastored a multicultural church in San Francisco that was mostly Italian. And by the time I left, uh, 14 years later, uh, there was everything in the neighborhood uh, that was in that church. So that was the training ground, if you will. Also, these pastors that I began to know in San Francisco also moved to Vallejo. And so the first pastor, Pastor Paul Richardson, man, this this is a preacher of preachers that I knew in San Francisco, and my wife worked with him at B of A. Uh, my wife was there for 35 years. So we had a foundation that we knew each other, and he became ill, and his church uh, began to have some trouble and struggles, and we talked, and he said, you know, it would be good if brethren t- could dwell together. And so so we began the process of that. And so we came in as co-pastors, uniting our churches together. I, I took uh, lead administrative preaching responsibilities. He took a lot of the teaching uh, and training responsibilities, and it was working wonderfully. And then God said, I'll add to the mix. Uh, there was another pastor that I knew in Daly City 
who is now pastoring in Vallejo, uh, Pastor Cliff Lawson. And he was pastoring a church and he had undergone several physical ailments uh, and just couldn't do it anymore. And so we uh, had a conversation with him in prayer and he said, well, you know, this is intriguing to me. Uh, let's see if my members would like this. And so they prayed about it and they decided that instead of closing forever to come over and transition in with uh, us. And then we had another pastor uh, who had closed his church and had gone back to be a minister of music. That didn't work out. And he came and, I, I, well, he had his family, but he had pastoral experience. And so now it's the four of us, <laughs> all with pastoral experience. Well, most are African-American. Pastor Cliff is a Caucasian and is married to a Filipino. So God has really started to do some things now. And I think he had maybe two or three Filipino members with him. So we were going to become and the United Fellowship Church. And then our building needed some tender loving care, a lot of tender loving care. And we had to get out because the foundation was going to be redone. And we said, well, let's see if we can go somewhere. And we decided to go to our Filipino Alliance Church in uh, American Canyon. And that pastor said, sure, uh, we will not have you here at eight in the morning or seven. Uh, let's worship together. And we'll trade off preaching and your group can sing one Sunday and all of that. We thought it was great. Two weeks, Craig, before it was time for us to do this, he called me, the pastor there called me and said, I resign. Oh, dear. <laughs> and we're like, oh, what are we going to do? So I called the district superintendent and he said, Terrence, you are a seasoned pastor. And to be honest, brother, I don't have time to deal with this right now. I need you to handle it. Uh, it seems like it's a God thing. You need a building and they need a pastor. <laughs> so go preach. And we did. And everybody came. The whole uh, church, New Hope Church and the United Fellowship Group came. And it was amazing. And we really felt the sense of God two months in. But nobody said anything. And then they, uh, Jesus was the Lord, had their 30th anniversary celebration. And one of their older members stood up and she talked about the history. And then she turned to us and she said, and Pastor Nichols and your uh, congregation, she said, we are so blessed to have you here. She said, and we are honestly praying for your building project. We're praying that it'll take a long time. <laughs> Bless her heart. <laughs> and so that opened the door for a conversation that we were all sensitive about opening that door, even though we all sensed it. And so we began uh, to go down the path. They officially voted for me to be the pastor of Jesus Risen Lord Alliance Church, the Filipino church. And then we began to bring both of the churches together and then COVID. <laughs> and we had our 20, 30 meetings, uh, what we were going to do and talk about. We're going to talk about culture. We're going to talk about finances. We're going to talk about property because we both have properties. And God said, you don't need to talk about that. You all just need to survive COVID and I'll, I'll bring unity <laughs> through your experience of surviving COVID. And that is exactly what he did. Uh, we had to now learn how to be a church in the midst of COVID together. And that brought us together in such a marvelous way. So we are right now in the process of doing all the due diligence to become one. It's just absolutely heartwarming to hear the way God in which he has come in. And, you know, you talk about, you know, bringing restoration and, and breathing new life 
into these congregations and, and how, in many respects now, these very diverse congregations coming together under united leadership, under one roof, that all very much look like heaven. Because, you know, I, I, I hate to break it to some folks listening right now, but there will be no Baptists in heaven. There will be no Methodists. There will be no Pentecostals. Nobody that's a member of the Church of God in Christ. None of them. We're all going to be one in Jesus' name. And all this Amen. denominational stuff is all going to melt away. So it, 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 it must be heartwarming for you to be involved in a church that very much looks like what heaven is going to look like and to be able to model that as a way of encouraging others. And, you know, folks listening right now that, that maybe are new to the Bay Area looking for a church home and saying, gee, I just want to get into a, plugged into a place that's, that's on fire for Jesus where I can grow, where I can contribute, make a difference, and feel the Holy Spirit make a difference in my life. And it certainly sounds like the, the Alliance churches for folks up in your neck of the woods in the greater American Canyon Vallejo area, if they drop by and find you, I think they're going to find a home. We pray that they will. It's a welcoming place. It's an on-fire place. We're there at American Canyon on uh, 233 James Road, right by the old fire station in uh, American Canyon. So we're on fire, and we don't want them to put it out. Amen. <laughs> I'll but mention- 233 James Road, 1030, and they can go to alliancechurches.org. We are also very concerned about our community uh, as an alliance church. If you're familiar with the Christian and Missionary Alliance, we are very global uh, in our missional uh, efforts uh, in 65 different countries around the world. And we are also very uh, missional at home, uh, not only foreign missions, but home missions. And so our team of outreach workers, man, we plan at least uh, six or or more major outreaches a, a year along with the uh, monthly feedings that we do to the homeless camps. When we were in uh, uh, Vallejo, we fed out of our building. But since we're no longer in the building and since COVID, we are feeding out, uh, going directly to the homeless camps. And this is a picture of God's power. When we started to, we had a member who wanted to do that out of her truck. And this was pre-COVID. And the city of Vallejo bless their hearts, came down on her and said, according to code, blah, 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 you cannot do that. And so she ceased. Well, there were so many hungry people. Do you know during COVID, the city sent all the churches a letter and they said, we need your help. Please go feed them. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever they are, we will not stop you. And I I think that's a a God thing where men tried to block it for good purposes and, and good reasons. But God said, this is needed. And so that's what we're doing. We're getting ready now uh, to, with the Association of the Solano County Food Bank. We're going to be feeding uh, the, uh, people on the 18th. And they're going to have meals that uh, we're going to pre- uh, prepare. And, of course, they have to go home and uh, finish the cooking of it. But we're putting all those boxes together. You no, know, I love that, that whole Matthew 25 approach. And, yes. and the notion of, of, you know, Scripture tells us to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. But we have to have a compelling message. And we also, as we talked about earlier, need to recognize, as Christ did, as he went along in ministry, wherever he saw felt needs, he addressed those needs as a way of demonstrating um, his love. And so as the church, when we do likewise... You know, I, I believe, Pastor Nichols, that we will not be able to keep them away from our doors uh, if, if we're truly about the master's business and doing all that we can to, to impact the community where we've been planted. You said earlier it's not about a numbers game. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. 
If you look at the first century church, there are no examples of 10, 20,000 member churches, none whatsoever. They were all smaller churches where that house churches, yes. exactly those house churches where that iron sharpening iron gets to take place, where we can rub up against each other, challenge one another, uplift one another, exhort one another, grow together in Christ. And, and that's the real deal. That, that's the old, the old adage. That's where the rubber meets the road. And I think folks that uh, are new to the Bay Area looking for a church home would be well blessed to come by and visit. Again, information available on the web at alliancechurches.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.